Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene and Lori. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hi, it's Lori, and I'm here with Charlene. Hi there. I'm so excited to have you listen to this podcast. And we are sharing an episode today that I know is going to be a blessing to you. Today, we um, are playing the interview that we did with Brad and Anne, and they're a couple that has a restored marriage after um, many years apart, and we really had a good time talking with them, didn't oh, we? We had a amazing a conversation and listening to their story and tears were shed, but you were going to be blessed and you're going to want to share it with other people that give hope and encouragement that God can do anything. I think one of the things that was such an encouragement during this episode was Brad was the prodigal and his tenderness and his tears, even today, many years after their marriage has been restored is such um, evidence of God's work in his life. And he really came from the edge of despair when he um, was walking away from the Lord and had given up on his relationship with God. And we don't want to give it away, but boy, this episode I know is going to be one of your favorites. Oh, I believe this is going to go closer to the top because there are so many different things than the miracles of God that happened in the many years of their marriage restoration. And we are just so blessed that they're willing to share it with us and we get to share it with you. I pray you will be blessed abundantly with this and we can't wait to hear your comments. Yes, when you're done listening to this, please let us know what you think of it. Um, you can leave a review and let us know or reach out to us at rejoiceministries.org and let us know how this spoke to you today. But for now, enjoy this episode with Brad and Ann. Ann and Brad, we're so excited that you're with us, and we thank you for um, taking the time to share your story and what God has done in your marriage. And I know um, you guys had a phone call with my mom last night, and she um, was very excited after talking with you um, just to hear, um, for others to hear what God has done in your marriage. So to start us off, take us back a little bit to the beginning. And, and um, one of you tell me about when you first got married and what that was like in the early days. Well, um, we got married in 1979. And um, so many moons <laughs> ago, and um, it was really a joyous day. And we actually rejoiced at the time, which meant a lot to me later, that um, there were two people that actually, I mean, ours was just a simple, regular wedding, but a couple of people turned to the Lord afterwards, Wow! which we felt it was just, that was just the Lord intervening because it wasn't, you know, it was just a simple, you know, simple church ceremony. So that was really a joy. And um, then we, we had two sons and we went on in life and. Well, were you both walking with the Lord when you first got married? Yes. Okay. So you get married and you think we're going to move and go on and live happily ever after. And <laughs> when did, when did that happily ever after start to fall apart? At the time that our marriage started falling apart, I was, my relationship with God was pretty um, nominal. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like I was going through through motions more than I was really uh, sincere. Mm -hmm. And so that put me in a position where I was, uh, oh, what's the right word? Anyway, um, Susceptible, yeah, susceptible yeah. or vulnerable. Yeah. I had a job where I was gone a lot. I was gone every other week and I, I met people and mm -hmm. um, that led to um, affairs. Okay. And, um, anyway, and stood with me through those. And then um, finally got to a point where I just thought I would be happier mm -hmm. if I left. And so, you know, it was all about me. 
know. And so, um, so 2004. Um, um, yeah, just that classic midlife crisis. He was so depressed, mm-hmm. so deeply blue and depressed. And um, had, you know, drifted from the ward and, uh, you know, there's, there are other factors going on. But, um, and I was just praying and praying and praying because I knew he wasn't in a good place. Yeah. And then um, this, this uh, situation came up where he met this other person and he thought, maybe if I start as new, I can find myself again, find happiness again. How many years had you been married when that happened? It was 25. Remember, we, we celebrated our 25th anniversary. I remember we went to that nice restaurant. But even then, things were not completely sweet and close. The drift had already begun. Yeah. Yeah. And we weren't, you know, we weren't fighting and arguing and stuff. We just were drifting. And I I knew he was drifting and I didn't know what to do. Did you at the time, Brad, feel like um, you were bitter towards the Lord and you didn't care about the things of the Lord? Or did you, were you trying to battle um, kind of between the Lord and the world, like feeling like, well, I'm depressed and I'm going through this, but maybe the world can offer me better things. Or what did you feel like then? Yeah, it wasn't, I wouldn't describe it as a battle mm-hmm. um, because I was um, so distant from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how that drift can happen in our relationships with the Lord and with each other. Um, even with children, that it just takes such a small little crack for that divide to grow so great. And and like you said, you weren't having what some would call, you know, obvious marriage problems where there was fighting in the home or things like that. It was just that slow drift away. So Brad gets involved with another woman and you are at what, where are you with your marriage? Where, how do you feel, Anne, about this? Do you feel like he's, you know, sinned against our marriage and this is it and let's move on? Or what was your thought life like at that time? Well, um, you know, we had weathered some other things. Yeah. And so when this came up, you know, I was really devastated. Um, but, and, and I didn't know what to do. But I felt that I should just release him. That was the word that came to mind and to my brother-in-law who really walked with us in this. And so I, I told him, you know, you know, you, you have to make a decision. And I want even now for our marriage to work, but you, you have to decide. And Later, when I felt such a conviction to stand for our marriage, I wondered if that was right. But I do think that was from the Lord at the time. And so he made a decision and he left and ended up moving uh, to a different state. Um, And initially, I felt like, okay, I have really tried. I've prayed. I've, I've really made an effort here and now you know i'll move on pot you know that's kind of what i was thinking i'll i'll move on and and it even went through my mind you know maybe maybe remarriage to someone else will be in my future i mean i i felt like i really given it all and so you know that's what i'm going to do soon after that it's it's such a unpicturesque moment, but I was vacuuming my couches. And I just remember it so vividly. And I felt like the Lord just spoke through this question. And it was just, is there a God? Mm. You know, is his arm too short? And it just was like, he was through those questions saying to me, can I do anything? Am I God? Can I, am I able to do anything? And I just began to think, you know, I, I'm not sure that this is over. I'm not sure that I am released from my, 
thousand. And so it's, it's uh, a few months after that, as I continue to pray and seek that, um, Rejoice Marriage Ministries came in in such a meaningful way because, you know, I felt like, okay, I think the Lord is asking me to, to wait for my husband to stand. And I prayed this so specifically. I said, but Lord, I need instruction. I need instruction. And within 24 hours, I had gone to the computer and I had typed in a, a completely different ministry. The only word in common with Rejoice Marriage Ministries was ministry. That was it. And you know how many ministries there are on the web. And when I entered that, what came up was Rejoice Marriage Ministries. And I was just like, well, why did that come up? It didn't have anything except ministry in common. And so I clicked on it. And this kind of manifesto at that time was the first thing on your website. And I'm just reading it and thinking, you know, I will not back down, sit down, yeah. you know, that's go the, down. That's the and, standards affirmation that we've yes, talked about. Yes. Yes. That'll and, pump you up uh, if you're wondering what to do, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I just felt like, oh, Lord, this, this seems like a powerful answer to prayer. But I, I didn't want to jump too quickly because I've seen people think they receive a sign and they've used it to to go against the Lord, really, because the enemy can manufacture those too. Yeah, but right. it seemed really from the Lord, but I call, I thought these guys are radical, but <laughs> they're fanatical, but I don't mind being a fanatic if it's true. You know, that's okay. So um, I called my pastor and said, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling from the Lord. And bless his dear heart. He really supported me and said, wow. you know, you were blessed. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was. And he, he encouraged me and he turned me to Hosea, the book of Hosea, you know, where, where Hosea keeps praying for his uh, wife who goes astray. Yes. I know. So that, that's kind of the beginning parts. <laughs> and how, how long had you all been apart at this point? Well, he left in the, in October of 2000. Or, and it was soon after that that all this happened. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in just the next few months. And, and then, of course, as we'll talk about, I'm sure there, there was continual need to renew that and pray through things again as his life continued going down a, a difficult path. But that initial feeling that I should stand for my marriage happened pretty early. At this point, we were just separated. Right. Yeah. We were just separated. You know, Anne and Brad, it, when you share that story, it's what we try to say that God does speak. And when yes. we cry out and we're in desperation or we're in a crisis of any sort, it doesn't matter even at, after we have restoration, regardless if it's with our children, grandchildren, or whatever, um, financial you know, God hears us and he has a way of speaking to us that it's so powerful that you get so excited yeah. when it happens that we just get, we just want to praise the Lord and we get, you know, uh, it's like an electric charge in our bodies from the Holy Spirit saying, is anything too hard for me? Which is what yeah. he was asking you. And there is nothing, you know. Isn't it funny how you felt like, oh, they're fanatics about this. And we hear that often. It's so funny, but how sad that we've arrived at that point and in our marriages where to pray and to, and to fight for the marriage that we made a vow to and a covenant with is something fanatic. Like I compare it often to if, if, well, we've, we've gone through in our family with different family members in the past few months that have had health issues. And it's like, we're moving heaven and earth to get answers and to get doctor's appointments and to get tests and to pray that the Lord would intervene and show us what to do. But when a person walks away from a marriage or a person walks away from the Lord or a person struggles with addictions, 
in a marriage, it's so accepted by the world to say, okay, we're done. We're moving on. And that's what our desire is, is to change that thought process. So people understand, like the Lord showed you that day that there is always hope, always hope. Right. Yeah. So, okay. You called Brad or what did you, did you share with Brad your revelation after you decided that you were going to start praying intently for this marriage to be healed? Or what did you do in that aspect? Well, I think over the next long period, I did communicate with him that where I stood. Um, I don't know how much he even could hear that always, you know? Um, but, but I certainly tried to make that known and then, um, tried to, um, tried to just be obedient and talking to him when I should, but also just backing off because um, the passage in 2 Timothy about um, uh, the Lord's servant should not quarrel, but be kind to everyone. Mm-hmm. And if, if anyone opposes you, um, gently, gently instruct them, which I wasn't in a position of instructing him, but, you know, so that... Um, and so that they will escape from the captivity that Satan has put them under. And so that was really a good, a good passage for me that God was going to have to work. And I just needed all my, all my married life. I had prayed to be better about <clears throat> not trusting my own words. Um, and, and I know that that was a, a sinfulness in me of, of trying to use my power of, of words. And boy, during the stand for my marriage, God really finally <laughs> uh, helped me so much with that to, to just say, I can't do this. This, is, this will be the Lord's work. This has to be the Lord's work. What, what was going on in your life at that time, Brad, and in your relationship with the Lord? Was there a relationship with the Lord left at this point? And what did you think of what Anne was telling you? Did you think she had lost her mind? I thought she was being stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> Let me um, go. I'm that, gone. <laughs> I think that there there probably wouldn't have been any words she could have said that would have changed my mind. Right. Um, so I wasn't, we didn't, and we didn't talk a lot, um, but I knew where she stood mm-hmm. and it kind of bothered me. I mean, I felt bad for her. I, I felt like we should just move on. And, uh, but as far as, you know, my relationship with God, it was, it was pretty non-existent. So, so you were still living your life and saying, "Move on and let's separate this marriage and and go our separate ways." Right. So, Anne, what was the Lord doing in your life as you began this journey? Well, you know, it was He was really working powerfully, and we have both talked about how we felt the Lord really intervening in miraculous ways um, me during this period and him later when the Lord led him to repentance. You know, enough for a whole lifetime. And he was just speaking so much. But one time I remember him really speaking to me, you know, I was just crying out to him. And I, I was like, Lord, I need to hear your voice, even if it's a rebuke. But I thought, you know, I really need to hear from the Lord. And I was in a Walmart parking lot. Again, you know, one of these vivid moments. And I just felt like the Lord spoke to me kind of sternly, firmly, and said, I have a work to do in you, too, through this. And then he added this, which was something. He said, don't wish for this to be over sooner than it needs to be. And, and so it wasn't easy words. Those were not easy words, but I was so grateful to hear. It was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, you know. And, and um, so 
that was one of the times he really spoke to me. And then as, as things went on, um, there were those different, you know, hard moments of like, uh, finally he says, I think we should file for divorce. And um, this is mostly through email at the time. Um, and I remember getting that email and just thinking, you know, and this was so different for me because, you know, we tend to want to analyze and figure everything out, and, you know, but I felt like the Lord just said, you are not to think or analyze, you are to worship. And that was such a new, you just worship. And so for several days, I mean, it was there in the back of my mind, but I really didn't, I didn't think and study, and you know. And at the end of those few days, and I think I was doing some fasting and prayer at that time too, because I remember then this really vividly came to me, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, and I hadn't been reading it or heard teaching on it, so I really felt like the Lord just brought it to mind, and then I went to scripture to read it, but where they're asked to bow down to this idol, and they refuse, and then they're going to be cast into the furnace if they don't. And when they say, and this just gives me shivers, but they say, um, you know, our God can deliver us from the fiery furnace. And this, this was the key part, but even if he doesn't, right? you know, we are not going to bow down to this idol. And so for me, it was, I thought, that's that's it. That's from the Lord. At that point, I wasn't sure what would happen in our marriage. But I thought, you know, I am not going to bat. You know, my God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, I am not going to bow down to the idol of the world. And there is view of divorce. I'm just, I just, you know, it's like a steel entered my soul. And I'm just not going to do that. And so, you know, it's just a really exciting moment. And then, um, I mean, maybe exciting isn't the right word, but very meaningful, very. Well, God spoke to you. God spoke to you so strongly, so clearly. And and the funny part is when you first said a few moments ago, just a a couple of minutes ago, the Lord said, we got to change you first. Mm-hmm. That's and, exactly and, what happened to you. And that's what the yeah. Lord said to me. Yeah. <laughs> Forget Bob. Mm-hmm. I want you to change first. And that was an awakening that it wasn't about him then. It was about me and the Lord. And that's opposite of our inclination because we're inclined to say, well, he's involved with another person. He's doing this. He's doing that. Look how bad she is. And instead, it's about God saying, I'm going to fix you and our relationship so that then as husband and wife, you can come together. And let me share a story is that the point when Bob was going on and doing all the the bad things, I went and told his parents why I was divorcing him. And because of my lack of knowledge, why I was she was looking for allies. I was was not (laughs) I was trying to tell them. He's not perfect, you know, and that, and when I did that, I, I bird, I, I hurt them and wounded them horribly telling them everything that was not a thing to do, but it made me feel good at the moment. But then I realized God said to me, why did you have to expose him to his parents? And so the Lord convicted me that, you know, let me have you look at yourself and let's change you. And, and then I uh, repented to them and said, all I can tell you is we, we live very close to each other. They could look at my front door if I out their back window. And I said, I can tell you there will never be another man walking to my front door. And you know, you're, I want you to have a relationship with my grandchildren with your grandchildren, I want I want you to have a relationship with the grandchildren that is going to be strong and healthy. But I will tell you, I am turning to the Lord. I made a terrible mistake with divorcing him. I I got so angry for what he was doing. But now the Lord has said, I want to change you and I want you to fight 
for your marriage. Mm-hmm. And and that's what God was speaking to you is don't give up. You were getting on the fanatic train. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Brian, your wife has lost her mind and she's not living in reality and she won't stop pining away for this marriage. At what point do things start to change in your life? Well, before um, before I answer that, I was thinking that, um, you know, when, when hardship comes into our life, it's not like... Um, God's taken by surprise and throws up his hands and thinks, crap, now what are we doing? Well <laughs> said, like, well said, Brad. It's like, okay, well, here's an opportunity now. Yep. Yeah. Well said. Also, like when, you know, when Lazarus was sick, um, he waited mm-hmm. and until he died. So God would be horrified. Well, at one time, Excuse me. And sister said, well, maybe, maybe your marriage needed to die. Mm-hmm. To be reborn. And I read in my journal, I, I, I wrote somewhere in there, I thought ours, I think ours is to be a Lazarus. Yeah. Amen. It, was it hard to realize that at the moment, Brad, when you were in the middle of kind of running from the Lord and yeah. and feeling like I'm in this other relationship or other relationships or living in my sinful life? Was it hard to understand what Anne was doing and, and praying that the Lord would redeem your marriage? Well, yes and no. I mean, I know I am, and it didn't surprise me, um, but I didn't. It didn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. So. Were you angry about it or did you feel unworthy of being the man that she was praying would come back? Or do you know how it, what it did? Some people get angry where their prodigal says, stop, leave me alone. Even that's what happened in their relationship. The day they got remarried, my dad said, I need you to stop praying for me because he was under such conviction. Right. And some people say, I feel so unworthy and so much shame from my past that I don't think you deserve, you know, for me to come home. So that's two different I think sides. part of it maybe, um, and this comes to mind that I was feeling very guilty. And maybe in trying to encourage Anne to move on, um, that may have put some salve on my guilt. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's common that we hear that. So you asked what changed. Um, so, okay. So we did get divorced and then, um, I also divorced, um, the woman that I had married. And then, um, I had, uh, for, reasons I really don't want to go into. I had uh, been arrested and um, sentenced to um, time in prison. So that was like, um, just to fill in that little space. So that was like 10 years later. Okay. So um, over those years, uh, you know, he filed for divorce. He married this other woman. Mm-hmm. Um and and each of those steps would kind of throw me back to the word, back to prayer. Well, I mean, I was uh, I that isn't quite right. I was I was praying a lot and in the word a lot, but just caused me to revisit everything. Now, am I you know is this right? Am I doing the right thing, Lord? Is this still for me? But as time went on, I felt. And this was really a thing from the Lord. But as time went on, I was receiving less, less and less um, circumstantial reason to hope. There was just, he was not interested. He, he was no longer tender. Like you weren't as much to be teary when you talked to me. He didn't, it just seemed like he was doing fine and he was great. Um, And so there was more and more 
reason not to hope. And yet this is why I think it was really God. Somehow I just grew, increased during that time in feeling God's, God is going to do this. I moved from thinking, even if God doesn't, I'm doing the right thing into, I think God is going to do this, into, I believe God is going to do this. And so there was this steady increase in me. And then um, when he was arrested, oh my goodness, that was yet another huge blow. By then the other relationship was over, but that was a huge blow. And I just, you know, just hung on. And um, I was reminded of that quote from Jim Elliott that says, don't doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. And um, it was funny because in prayer, I would often say, like I have this one thing in my journal that says, get him out of jail, exclamation point. Because I felt like he was in prison in, in the darkness of, of the world and sin, you know, I kept, and I kept praying for him because I thought I would, I would in my mind think it's like he's in a prison cell and he's, he's looking out the prison window and the door is open behind him because Jesus is the way and the door. And I kept wishing you would turn around. And so I say all that because then it was so like God to then deliver him from that prison while he was in prison. So I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead, but it was just like, oh, Lord, you are amazing, you know? Yeah. So now go, you can, go ahead. You can imagine praying for something for 10 years, and, uh, and every step is um, in your mind, and in reality, it's a step away from what you're praying for to right. achieve. Right. You know, first you're leaving, then the divorce, and then to prison. It's like each one of those steps, um, you've got to be asking yourself, wait a minute. Right. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. God, did I hear you right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, I think we can, you know, look at that as, you know, God does test our faith. So, Anyway, so when I was, and Charlene, you said when you called God, um, the answers, well, um, I started calling to God. Amen. I didn't, well, you know, it was more out of self-preservation because right. I was in a situation where I was, um, it was scary, you know, in prison. And uh, and leading up to prison is very yeah, and I don't think my heart was still for uh, fellowship with God. I think it was still me oriented. I need help. I need help out of this. I need help in this situation, and that's right. why I was, you know, that's what my prayer consists of. Totally selfish, mm-hmm. and then um, so then. Um, I only had one contact when I was in prison, and that was my son. And so I would talk to him and tell him, you know, what was going on, you know, and I shouldn't have, but um, sure, that was hard for him. But um, just things in prison, you know, people threatening, seeing people beat up, and, you know, just, just. A difficult situation. You know. yeah. So finally, um, the last time, well, the, about the last time I talked to him, he said, Dad, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, I just want you to read um, Malachi. Could you read Sorry, I'm, a, I'm an emotional guy. <laughs> oh, you're doing excellent, Brad. And People are hanging on to hear about this because people, we do have family and friends and other people we know about in prison. And if you have a prayer journal, dear ones, we need to write uh, 
prisons in our journal mm -hmm. to pray for those people in the prisons. There are a lot of people that can get saved and delivered and set free in yeah. the prisons while they're in there. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of remarkable. This is a bit of an aside that um, a year before you were arrested, so this would have been in 2012, from that, from hearing teaching on that verse in Matthew about if you have given a cup of water, if you have visited someone in prison, and there's a list of things that said, you've done it unto me. Right. And out of all those things, it was the visit to prison that's, that struck me. And I searched hard. I made lots of phone calls to find this prison. Mm. And um, anyway, um, and I went to that and I don't know, I just think it was like God was preparing me because then a year later, that was part of our life. And it had never been, you know, any, anyone that we knew prison had not been part of our life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So during the time while he was away going to prison, you know, we were in more contact at that time. Uh, for just different reasons. He had some stuff in my garage. And he was living with one of our sons. And um, he, he kept saying, you know, why is God not responding? Why is God not hearing? I'm crying out to him. And I kept thinking about this passage, but I didn't feel that it was my place to share it. So the day that our son uh, took you to jail to go on to prison, um, I read him this verse, and then this is the passage that he gave Brad um, that day, that phone call that Brad was just saying about it. So it's this, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears, which, you know, is what Brad was doing, weeping. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them from your hands. You ask why it is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth, because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one? And then I'll skip a little bit and it just, I hate divorce. Malachi 2, starting in verse 13 and then on through about verse 16. Okay. is that passage those are powerful words yeah and it was and, oh my goodness you don't even <laughs> wait till you hear how powerful they were i mean yes they're they're powerful words and so i had shared those with our son and then that day our son you know he was engaged and he, he was just overweighted by what and i think the word was orchestrating all of that and so he said dad and so after we hung up, I read it, and, and it really, yeah, I felt like for the first time, um, God was speaking to me. Amen. Praise the Lord. I called him soon after that and said, you know, God wants us to, uh, wants our family back to Amen. You know, I'm not one to, I don't know, I don't know what I think about visions and that kind of thing. But after I read that, I closed my eyes and I saw this very vivid image of a silver snake in a silver bowl um, full of like liquid silver. And the words, those words, <clears throat> sorry, those words of Malachi were written on the snake. Mm. And I, you know, I thought, well, that's, I don't understand that at all. But I know it's from God. And so, um, so the next day, I think, I thought, well, I'm just going to look up and try to find out what, is the significance of silver in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so when I, and then I thought, well, I'm just going to finish reading Malachi first. Well, the before answer. Before I looked those up. Yeah, before I looked that up. Well, it was right there um, towards the end of Malachi. 
Okay, so, and this is what I turn to. Uh, for he will be like a refiner's fire. This is in Malachi 3 2. Okay. Um, or a launderer's soap. He will set as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Um, and then the and then it says, uh, Ju- um, Jerusalem be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. And so, um, to me, that meant former years is like when I was first Christian. Amen. So, which I was pretty pretty on fire, you know. Then so. Um, so that was really encouraging. Um, and so that, that began our, our mind um, going back to Anne, you know, and the Lord. And so, you know, for, you know, we wanted to encourage people through this. Um, it's, it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even... Because still, honestly, I wasn't that crazy about the idea. <laughs> but um, I, I felt like as much as I had done wrong, um, there's a lot of things you can't do. You can't make right again. Right. And this is one thing I could. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, it just kind of dawned on me that, you know, if you do what is right that God will bless you and that those feelings that weren't there would come and they did Brad that's when you were speaking and and, and I literally I was thinking God is going to bless you for your obedience to follow him and his will and his way speaking to you. He will bless you mightily. And to get your family back together and with your son. And um, wow, you know, even though you were in prison, God had opened your eyes and set you free. And it was so neat because I prayed scripture so much during that time. And I kept praying and we found prayers that I wrote in my journal where I, that we've talked about together, where I was just praying, you know, that, that the word of God would speak, you know, that, that verse that says to the dividing of bone from marrow. And, and then God did that. He, he just used, I, I just love that God used the, his word. Right. To just take you apart and put you back together again. You know, it's just so, it was just so wonderful. And so, so on my end, my son calls me at work and he sounded just stunned, honestly. And he said, Mom, I don't know how to tell you this, but Dad said he's repented and he, he wants to get our family back together. Wow. And, and he just, I feel like he just was just stunned, you know. Your son, mess- my son, yeah. But your son was the messenger to yes. Isn't that awesome? Oh, it is wonderful. It's like, who was it that, you know, in Acts where they're praying for this guy? And then he showed up at the door and they're like, I can't be him. You know, it's like, <laughs> answers their prayer. It's like, no way to answer. Oh, yeah. Oh, he have little faith. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was, and I, I, I knew that because he was still in prison and we faced a lot, I, I knew that it was a challenging road ahead. But I thought, today, I am just rejoicing. I'm not going to think of any of that. I am just going to rejoice because, my God has heard my prayer. And I remember the verse that came through my mind is that verse in Isaiah 40 that says, um, 
tell her that her hard service is over. Oh, um, yes. You yeah. know what? I, I'm not quoting it perfectly, but tell her that her hard service is over. And, um, and it was just so neat that that verse just, just came over my, my mind. And I, I just was so full of joy. The next two years after I got out of prison, um, we began to see each other again. And again, it wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to see you. I'm so crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was like, let's work this. How do we work yeah. this out? Yeah. And um, part of the struggle in the couple of years um, that followed was um, Anne's, um, I don't think she didn't trust me, but her, you know, she had been hurt and she didn't know how I felt about her when she did. And that wasn't comforting. So there was a lot of rebuilding there. Um, and it was hard. It was really hard for her. Um, Can I interrupt you for one second? What you're saying makes me think of what we hear so often from people that um, they look at their prodigal or a prodigal that's looking at their spouse who's praying for them and they feel the same way. Like, I don't really know if I love them. I don't really know if I want them back. And they can kind of get in their own way of, of saying, maybe that's not what I want. And when you were praying for restoration, you didn't want Bob back that was, that was, the Bob of that day, he was, you know, had addictions to pornography and was a womanizer and, and in other relationships. And that's, what's so important is we are praying for the person that God can redeem. Brad is a different man today than you were when you were in prison, probably. And that's so important to not get stuck on um, thinking, well, I don't know if I should be praying for restoration because I don't really care about this person anymore. But Brad, it sounds like you were walking in obedience to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm going to follow this and I'm going to obey you. And then you give me the feelings later. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, when he was in prison and before this repentance had taken place, a man that he had talked to at a church had called me and said, so do you still desire to get your marriage back together. And I remember pausing and thinking, I don't know that I desire it, but I am committed to it. And I think in our case, and I don't know that this this is true for everyone, but in our case, it was like that verse, he must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. We wanted what the Lord wanted and we wanted him to be glorified and our own desires and, and, you know, your own flitting feelings had to, to just decrease and go be put aside. Now, then, of course, he gives more than he ever asks of us. And yeah. so, but, but it was a process of um, giving over our desires for what the Lord wanted. What does the Lord want? Yeah. And let me say this to everybody that's listening to this, that we've all going to go through different scenarios that the, every story is a little bit different with different circumstances. But there's one key word that the Lord uses over and over again is forgiveness. And we need to forgive ourselves for what we've done wrong or doubt or unbelief or whatever but we need to forgive our spouses for all of the circumstances that they have done outside of our home, of our home and, and, and what they've done. And you can't do that without the Lord. The Lord has to give you that forgiveness in your heart and life, and it will change you. It will transform you. And we can take captive, as it says in the Bible, take captive every thought to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, when the devil starts to say, look at what they did or look what they've done to our life, you know what? But God, and then we take captive our thoughts and say, look what God has done Mm -hmm. and and the miracles. And literally for your Brad being that experience, being in prison, 
what a miracle. I mean, I mean, we, there are prison ministries and fellowships and everything else to say God can change lives in prison. It doesn't matter where you're at. Mm -hmm. Right. We thought, I thought of that first, where shall I free, flee from my presence? Where shall I go from the spirit? And I thought, you know, the Lord was there and at him so powerfully. So you all had a slower journey towards restoration. Is that fair to say? Yeah. You mean like after he had repented? Right. Yeah. I mean, the, that, that repentance and then commitment was for all that it was kind of hard to just rebuild closeness. I would say I felt really confident of your commitment. And, and I know not everyone experiences that, but I, I felt that that was rock solid, but it was just hard. Um, you know, we're simple people. We're, you know, we have our moods and our weaknesses. And it, it took a lot. Um, it took a lot of effort, but it was worth it, you know. And, and then he had some legal things that prevented us getting married right away, too. I mean, we had to. I don't know, just just uh, get to the place where where we could do it. So then finally, on the date that he had proposed to me back in 1978, he came over with a big bouquet of flowers and said, will you marry me again? How awesome. And I that was, that. that was, isn't that neat? That was in Oh, wow, that is awesome. And so then for the wedding date, we, we he suggested that we, remarry on May on our original wedding date. So we did. In, so in how, the church that we've been married. Aww. How many years were you apart between the time that Brad left and your remarriage? 13. Yeah. So it was a long time that you were waiting for a miracle. And yeah. I look at you two now glowing and <laughs> praising the Lord and sharing for God to get the glory of what you've gone through because he, look what he has done for you and for your family. I think obedience is extremely underrated, you know, in, in the Christian community, you know, and, you know, for me, it's like, well, God will forgive me, you know, God will forgive me and no matter what I do. But, um, I think, um, and I think that's kind of grown in the church and spread where it's a cheap grace, you know, it's just like, do what you want. You know, God will forgive you. God loves you. Well, God does love and forgive. And he does, but um, he does bless obedience. And um, I was reading a book um, by Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. Mm -hmm. And He's strong and stuff. Like, obedience comes before faith. You know, he talks about the people that Jesus called. That, you know, they didn't enter into faith until they obeyed his word. You know, this call to come. Come follow me. Yeah. And so if you're waiting for faith to, to make a move, don't. <laughs> you know, make the move first, you know. Yeah. Well said, Brad. Well said. Can I share one other little thing? Um, I just wanted to share that our wedding day itself was just, I just can't even say. And, and even at that point, we weren't fully renewed in closeness. I, I mean, we were definitely on the right track. But that day was just a day of just unparalleled joy. And um, our sons were the groomsmen, and their wives were my my bridesmaids. Oh, and, it, and, and our little grandson was the ring bearer. And it was just, I don't know, just the joy of the Lord making right something that had been wrong. Mm -hmm. Amen. It, it just it just felt so great, didn't it? It was just I just it's hard to convey because it wasn't the same when you first get married and it's just, you're crazy about each other. And, and that's a lot of fun and neat and wonderful, but this was weighty with joy. It was just, and it was a God miracle. And it was and, a God miracle. And, oh yeah. my goodness. What a miracle. Sons, 
one of our sons stood up and toasted us at the reception said, yeah, I've, I've known the uh, couple of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and the other son started to toast us and he just broke down and couldn't speak. And he was so moved. So, and were they were they um, supporters of your stand for marriage restoration through the years that you all were apart, or did your sons kind of leave that as your thing, and they were moving on with the fact that dad's never going to come back? More, more the second thing. Yeah. They. I mean, my one son said to me. He said to mother, "To be honest, I." I never thought this was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they, they, I mean, I, I felt like one of my roles was to encourage their relationship to their dad and be a preserver and right. support their relationship to him as much as I could. Um, but yeah, they, they thought that was a bridge too far and kind of thought I should just move on and stuff. But they, you know, I think it's really blessed them. Yeah. That was another part of reconstruction was the kids. Mm -hmm. They were hurt and, um, you know, they never ever said that kind of word to me. Wow. Praise the Lord. They were wise beyond their years. They really were wonderful. But they were still hurt, you know. And I remember one day, one of my sons and I sat down and I said, just tell me. Tell me what you need to tell me. Mm-hmm. And we talked for about six hours. And we cried. <laughs> went together. That was probably a very healing moment that day. It was. And that was hard. And, but so, but hard isn't bad, you know? Right. So I think, you know, one thing we would encourage people is just be willing to do the hard work. Yes. That it all takes. So, yeah. And Brad, what is uh, your relationship like with the Lord today? I can I can imagine from your tenderness and your teary eyes that it's a bit different than the hard Brad from a few years ago. It's it's completely different. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that verse in Malachi, where he said, "And I will make them as they were days old." I feel like he's done that. It's beautiful. <laughs> you you too, with your testimony of all the circumstances beyond what we say circumstances are, mm-hmm. your circumstances were much more difficult than the normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. I must say that to see you with the joy of the Lord and willing to share your testimony to hundreds and thousands of others is going to give so many people hope and encouragement. And, and get them in the word and stand on the promises of God and believe in miracles that there is nothing that any spouse can do that God can't turn around right. to good. God can forgive us, cleanse us, and make us into new creatures in Christ. And he's done it for both of you and for your family, which is so important. You have just blessed me with your testimony this afternoon, because I know that I know you are sharing how much God can do in the most difficult circumstances. And that's what we've got to know our Lord for. Mm-hmm. And the forgiveness and trusting you again and all the circumstances. God is awesome. He is. The, the song that I mentioned to you on the phone, Charlene, it's um, too good to not believe. Oh um, yeah, the song, yeah. and so they were singing it at church just this Sunday, and they were saying, "Don't you tell me God can't do it? Don't you tell me God can't do it?" And I, I just looked over it at Brad, and you know, we we've, we've been together now for quite a while, so this doesn't come up up every week. But I, I just turned to him and said, "I'm sitting by my miracle." Yeah, and um. we both were so touched. And then the next, like, a future verse after I had said that was. You know, he can bring the prodigals back home and restore the families. And it was just like (laughs) such a neat moment because that's what he did for us. And we just, we do just want to give him all the praise and glory. We're just, (laughs) 
simple people, but he just was so good too. And that's your song for you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, you have really um, blessed us, and I know you are going to bless so many mm -hmm. other. Encourage them, give them hope, and uh, you have just. It, it just blows my mind how a mighty God our God is and taking circumstances that are impossible and turn them around. You know, that made me think um, when, you know, P Jesus was talking to Peter uh, about Peter's betrayal. Right. And he said, you know, Satan's desires to sift you like wheat. Um, but I prayed for you. And uh, so I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brother. So that's what we would really like to do. Um, interesting, Jesus didn't pray that he wouldn't fail. He said, when you fail, when, yeah. and when you turn back. So, you know, I just feel like you know, it's people that have maybe gone what they think is too far. Never too far. <laughs> yep. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing. And Brad, I admire all that you have shared so honestly mm -hmm. and transparent. Because not everybody will do it, but not everybody understands that you're going to be blessed mightily by the Lord and help so many people that mm -hmm. think their circumstances are impossible. Mm -hmm. And we serve a mighty God. Yeah. <laughs> are you still writing a book? Yes. Yes. I'm still writing that. I'm coming near to the end of that. So yes, we'd love to just have the Lord do with that what he would desire. Um, take that wherever he wants it to be, mm -hmm. guide in that. And um, we've moved <laughs> just to be near our kids. And um, I think, you know, there's just a lot of joy there. I want, I want to see the Lord just continue to build all of us in faith, in devotion to Christ, mm -hmm. in our relationships with each other. Um, and I think the Lord's doing that. I, I will mention Charlene. I loved your word that you said more than once was, you know, when you are beginning to reconcile or reconcile, that's not the time to stop praying. And um, I certainly think that was an excellent word because um, not only did we need prayer all during that reconciling period, but I, I just reading my old journals, I'm like, I need to be praying now for my kids and my grandkids. Yes. You know, I need to to pray the word over them and praise the Lord over them. Yeah, we um, we have a phrase around here. Once a stander, always a stander, meaning when marriages are restored, that's not the time to take a deep breath and say we made it. That's the time that the enemy's really going to ramp up trying to cause division. And now you've come together as a husband and wife serving the Lord together. And you can continue praying for your marriages and for those around you. Just like I know the people that are listening to this, you'll be praying for their marriages. So we love having restored marriages still involved with Rejoice. Um, hopefully, you know, but I'll tell everybody that we have a, a um, devotional that comes out weekly for couples that are in a restored marriage called Restored and Redeemed. And it speaks just to the challenges that you face as a couple that's going through um, remarriage. So, Anne, as a writer, I'm going to invite you and Brad, either one of you, to you are welcome to share on that devotional. Anytime the Lord gives you something to, to share with others, we would love to have you participate and write with us there. But um, we'll put a link to that devotional in the show notes for anyone who has a restored marriage that would like to um, subscribe to that weekly, but we really appreciate you both sharing and your tenderness you. and willingness to be so transparent. Well, thank you so much for your ministry. It was a, a great source of, you know, God gave it yeah. to me at that time. So thank you so much. To God be the glory.
Maybe we'll get some fanatic shirts made someday or something. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Listen, that's all through the Bible. There was fanatics, right? No one built an ark in the middle of a drought. And I mean, there's fanatics. So I, I wrote in my journal, I don't mind being a fanatic as right. long as it's right with the Lord, with the Absolutely. word. You know? <laughs> so. Lori, you're a beautiful couple. And yeah. we appreciate you sharing and I know everybody is going to be able to get so many things out of this uh, sharing of your testimony there's so many different uh, truths and oh. and and, uh, and uh, circumstances and when you tell your story it reminds other people of other things of how they can apply it to their own life and that's what we want and especially for a prodigal you know if they could ever give it to their spouse to listen to and say you're not uh, by yourself. You're not and hopeless. You're not hopeless. And wouldn't that be wonderful to give this to their spouse and say, you're not hopeless. Our marriage isn't hopeless. Yeah. Not hopeless. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I close us in prayer? All right. Lord, I thank you for um, this opportunity that we've had to hear from Anne and Brad and to hear um, the work that you have done in their marriage and in their family. And Lord, I just thank you for the way you have shown them firsthand that nobody is too far gone, that there's no circumstance that is beyond your control. And so I pray for those listening today that they would um, be reminded of that fact, that they would understand that when the mountain seems to be growing higher and higher, you are the one who can command that mountain to fall in your timing. And so I pray that you would strengthen the hearts of those who are in the middle of waiting that they would have patience, that they would have faithfulness to you, and that they would um, wait on your timing to um, bring the miracle that they're praying for. Lord, I pray for the for the prodigals out there. I pray for the brads out there and for the um, men and women who have walked away from their family and have walked away from you and are searching for happiness and contentment in other places. And Lord, I pray that you would just go after them today I pray that you would send a person like Brad's son um, into their life who can just give them even a verse or a passage to read and to just affirm to them that you are God and that you are able to redeem and restore um, what the enemy has tried to break down. Lord, I pray for those couples who um, are in a restored marriage today. And like we said today, um, it's not always butterflies and loving feelings and, and happiness. It's a process that happens. And so, Lord, for those who are struggling through that process today and are um, just dealing with the lack of feelings towards their spouse and lack of love, I pray that you would just continue to restore and to rebuild that love that um, can come only from you. I pray that we would all be people of prayer and that regardless of the situation we're in with our marriages, that we would never stop praying for our spouses and that we would always be willing to um, lift our marriages before you. Lord, I pray for um, protection for Brad and Anne from the enemy and, and the strife he would strike um, to cause in their marriage going forward. I thank you for their testimony today and for the testimony that I know you're going to continue to allow them to share with many people. Mm -hmm. Lord, we pray for Anne as she finishes her book. I thank you for giving her the words to say and for um, Brad's willingness to let it be said. And I just pray that you would um, bless that work and that you would use it for your glory in your name. Amen. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.